Ready is relentless. Ready is fearless. Ready is fearing no foe. Ready for the next level? Renew your season ticket now and support Rangers into season 2021. Prices are frozen for next season and the renewals deadline is extended. Visit rangers.co.uk slash renew to secure your season ticket today. Always Rangers. Always loyal. Hello and welcome to the JazzNet podcast, the independent Rangers podcast made for fans, by fans and where the content is absolutely free. Um, we're obviously into, into, I think it's 11 weeks of lockdown, 12 maybe, um, but we're, we're keeping going here at JazzNet. Um, and thank you for, for joining us during these, these uncertain times. Um, obviously, you're joining us live tonight on, on YouTube. And um, remember, you can you can obviously subscribe and, and share the podcast on social media. It's also available after the live broadcast on um, Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher and Spotify. Joining me, uh, the host David Wren tonight, is um, Stuart Weir, regular contributor. Good evening, Stuart. How are you doing? Yes, all good, David. All good. I uh, hope it's the same at, uh, at your end. I'm glad you raised the question there of how many weeks we had been in lockdown. Um, I think I lost count after six or seven, so to hear it's now up to 11 or 12 is a bit of a shock. Yeah, I, th- I think I actually said 10, 10, 11 or 12, so oh, I was actually <laughs> myself. Um, I'm going to argue. Yes. Joining Stuart and I tonight is a, is a first-time um, podcast guest. He is, I'm told, well known in the in the writing scene uh, within the Rangers support. Um, and he's joining us tonight. We'd like to have him. It's Alex Anderson. Alex, good evening. Good evening, David, and uh, evening to Stuart as well. And thanks very much for having us on, guys. Uh, Long time listener, first time caller, and I'm just uh, as nervous as anything. But really delighted to to be on. And I'm, I'm actually kind of wondering why Frankie Stuart, the boss. After getting to three thousand subscribers last week, is uh, sought to get myself down to about, back down to about two thousand by first thing tomorrow morning. <laughs> um, but uh, absolute pleasure to be on, boys. And um, it's as we're saying, it just gives us something else. If nothing else, it's something to do during this unbelievably weird period for all of us. Maybe, maybe um, it's a like a a scene or the same kind of setting as the the movie the the producers, where <laughs> he's tried to having having managed you know relative success suddenly decided to turn it into a failure because he's got an insurance policy out there that <laughs> means he might need to cash in on it if it's if it suddenly turns uh, you know. Went a, a downward spiral, so maybe maybe there's more his methods than we actually know. Well, it's spring, springtime for Hitler. That's it. Yes, <laughs> it makes sense. It makes sense now. <laughs> um, well, he's he's chosen a good night to have you on anyway because you're on with on with two seasoned hacks. So as as you know, we won't try and catch out any questions um, at all tonight because that's not that's not our style. Um, however. It's been it's been a relatively busy week in, in terms of uh, what's been going on at Ibrox. Um and the main the main sort of talking point certainly over the weekend has been the the signing of, of Calvin Bassey from from Leicester. Alex, I'll come to you first. It it was never you know it sort of caught us all by surprise, I suppose, this signing. And his pedigree isn't perhaps, you know, massive. He, he's coming from a, a Premier League club, but certainly Looks like most of his time has been spent um, in the sort of development squad there. But what what was your first reaction to to this signing? It was nice to see us making another signing. I think if I think if we'd maybe if we hadn't tied up Hadji uh, last week, it, you'd maybe be a bit worried, thinking is this what it's going to be? Um, but it's a kind of nice a nice pairing, if you like. You know, you've had the, the kind of high profile, big money signing albeit it's a fella that's, that's on loan with us just now. Uh, and now you've got the kind of bolstering of the squad type of signing. Uh, and I, by the way, I, I hope that's what it is. I hope he is uh, bolstering the squad. I think in the time of COVID and worrying about the the revenue streams and what have you, albeit that we're, you know, we're doing well on season ticket sales and the, the cast or deals when you bring in a lot of money for his, my jails and what have you, you're worried, <laughs> like Barisic, 
they might not actually cover for Barisic. They may end up being, you know, the new the new Barisic. Um, but the guy sounds like um, just your standards kind of Shiojo, you know, Arable. This this kind of he's done well in the reserves. He's caught the eye, Stephen Gerrard. He's been he's been recommended to him. There was nice wee headlines kicking about today saying that West Ham and Bayer Leverkusen uh, had been after him as well. Uh, whether that's true or not, you know, I don't really know. But it's uh, the clinics thing you, you like to hear about a player who hopefully is, is going to be a squad player and will eventually, you know, push on and be, be a mainstay. Stuart, obviously, the in terms of the signings that, that the club has made, and even even over the past, you know, four or five years, certainly since since Warburton came in, there's been a lot of a lot of players have come up from England, maybe, you know, that have played um, development squads, have played in the lower leagues. And you know, there's probably only about a handful have done have done well. How important is it for this this uh, this boy to really understand, you know, what he's coming into when when he comes up here? Because it's going to be a, a different sort of um, situation for him to to what he's used to. Yeah, I mean, I spoke to several people during the course of the week. Um, one or two are quite close to Leicester City as well, and the the general consensus was that whilst he might not have been um, one of the, the the top picks, so to speak, um, or top of people's lists, he also wasn't somebody who they were surprised at. It was, it was almost like, well, I, you know, they could see why maybe Rangers would make a move for him and also why the fact that he might be quite encouraged to, to, to move to Glasgow. I think the big thing with this is, David, um, you know, you're, you're absolutely spot on in what you're saying about Rangers and their recruitment. I think, you know, at some point, Rangers need to start um, walking the walk rather than just talking the talk. I, I think they need to be seen to have a formalised policy when it comes to uh, recruitment. Uh, and that's when, that's when on two fronts, really. The first front is that you're looking to recruit guys that are going to assist the squad, make the squad better, you know, whether they come in and and bolster the, the first team squad or whether they come in and make a name for themselves and and, and suddenly you find out you're running after a, a, a diamonds, so to say. The, the other thing is that the guys that have come in, you know, I was, I was sort of running through this in my, my head, if you bring somebody in, regardless of how much they cost, there is a there's an outlay. You're looking to recoup that, and I think too often in the past, Rangers fans will have been disappointed that having, you know, heralded a new signing and and trumpeted how good they are, they they don't really, you know, push on, and they don't really you don't really see them, uh, you know, developing into the kind of player that. Maybe you would you would like to think they they would have uh, developed into, and if somebody does that, they then you 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 know sort of two paths. One is they improve the team. The other is that they reach a certain level where they attract the attentions from other clubs, and rather that rather than the clubs coming in, so you can get these guys off your wage bill ultimately, which has happened. You know, far too often, um, in in terms of Rangers in you know previous seasons, you actually sell these guys for a considerable profit. Now, you know, I would I would have to say that that certain clubs, namely Celtic, have recruited far better when it comes to actually selling guys on and making uh, a considerable profit. You you can't really look at anybody that Rangers have brought in and said, well, you know, they only they paid X number of millions for them. And sold them for five times that or or six times that. Um, it, it just hasn't happened. So I think ultimately there's a lot riding, not just in this guy, but in a number of the signings that Rangers bring in, because you want to see them, you know, improve. You want to see them make the team better, but ultimately you want to see other people talk about these guys because that's where you know the net success actually might be. Um, Alec, just to just to pick up on that on that point Stuart made there, 
it's something that the the club hasn't hasn't been great at in terms of you know some of these players we've brought in and you know even Josh Windass, uh, Matt Crooks going back that far you know these were guys that were supposed to come in and and you know make his money uh, and and really since we came since we came back up there's not a there's not a clear you know success story in, on that front and obviously when we look at things now you've got Barisic there you've got Morelos obviously um, and others. How important is it? I mean, again, we've spoken about this even in the podcast a few times, but how important is it that the club really starts to to make money from developing players, you know, especially coming into this 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 uncertain time with, with coronavirus? I I think it's I think it's absolutely essential. Um I mean you're looking back at what Jean Alec uh, Boomsong. Yeah. When Boomsong, I mean he kind of provided the momentum for us to actually win the league that season. Um, I think we, I think we went a wee bit backwards when he left. Kind of winter time, wasn't it? I think he went, he went at Christmas time. Um, and I think we, we made a bit of profit on him. Um, I think that I'll mean, not be the last one. I, I'm just gonna uh, clutch and heel. I don't. Arrange those damn memories going. But actually, I think, actually, Alex, I, th- I don't think you're too. Far, I, I don't think you're too far actually away from that being the best shout that you'll come up with. In, in all uh, seriousness, I mean, I, I, I was thinking about this for a, a wee while today, and you know, Boom Song, Boom Song was the name that came into my head, and then I thought, no, there must be somebody else after that, and and I don't really, <laughs> I couldn't think of anybody after that. So you might actually be right, and if that's how long ago it is, that tells you everything you need to know about recruitment. That's an indictment, isn't it? It really is an indictment. Yeah, um, I, I think we we need to obviously we need to have a kind of a, a joined up policy, but it's it's just. Um, the temptation, no, no, just the temptation is to see it as we're, we're coming back. We're still we're, we're constantly coming back since 2012, and there's uh, various hits we've had to take along the way or and off the park. And I think the temptation is here to say, well, this is this is where we are just now. We're having to take a chance on, you know, your Arabos, your your Ojos, and then every now and then you'll get a Ryan Kent. But what's I think we're all at a position just now. We, we know the club needs to be able to sell on for a lot of money as well. Um, just the general before COVID even come in, that's just the, the state Scottish football was in. But I think we're wanting to see players coming to the club who are going to make an impact without us having to take without, without us having to try them out. Basically, um, I mean, you get Ojo and it goes and scores scores against Feyenoord in the Europa League, you know, and he's great. But then he's just it's just not happening from for the rest of the season. It's, it's, in, it's inconsistency that you're going to get for a player. Even even since we signed Ryan Kent, I know he's not been he's not had the consistency that we've, that we've all wanted. And when we're looking at who we're going to sign, who we're going to sign for the the season the season coming, which which shouldn't it be the season coming? It should be uh, this season getting finished, if you like. But um, you want guys to come in there that are going to sort out the problem that Ryan Kent diagnosed in that post match interview. In Braga, they just said we don't have the mentality. Didn't say that. That's 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 not what he was saying. He was saying we like it when the the pressure's off us. But we need guys to come in just now who are who know how to win. They've got that mentality. Um, and I, to be honest, I was more excited by the rumor about Stuart Armstrong. <laughs> I mean, a bit just, a few few Rangers fans might not like that, but um, I thought that's a guy who, if nothing else, he might have been doing it in the Rang jersey, but he knows how to win in Scottish football. Um, Lyndon Dykes, you know, another one we're supposed to be going for. I'm, I'm not so sure. He certainly kind of ragdolled us in that League Cup game, but you've not got the evidence there that he's is is anything different to what Ryan Kent was talking about. He's a guy who turned it on against Celtic. I don't think he scored a hat trick against Ross County, but he's turned it on against Celtic. He's turned it on against Rangers. But is he going to come in and be that guy that's going to lift us? You know, when we're going through one of these. When we're going to Tynecastle for the third time in the season and just haven't just haven't turned up, we need we need to get that kind of player, and and I'm more concerned about getting these guys in that are going to change the mentality of the club, you know, than I am about who we're going to sell on. I think that's that's a key a key point, um, Stuart. And when you look at the, you know, the players that, that Rangers do have, you know, even in comparison to the last team that that won the league, you know, you had a lot of players in that team that. Knew how to win games, and I think that was that was what was what made us so successful. You know, in that in that period, with with teams that could grind out results. At the moment, at the moment, you know, 
Suddenly of the year when we beat Celtic at, at Parkhead and then you were thinking, right, we're coming back um, in a very similar position actually to, to what we were in the, the year previous. And then it, it was as if they just they just crumbled. How important is it to, you know, have a have a strong core of a team that can that can, you know, pull the rest along, um, especially if you want to want to win the league. Yeah, I mean I think in the last couple of years, David, there have been there have been certain signings that have been made and the fans will have been told these are the guys that are signing. These are the guys that will make the difference. These are the guys, as you say, will pull the the rest of the guys along and on another level. And it just hasn't quite happened now. Whether that's because the task has been too great for them, or they have, you know, lost their, their spark and a bit of their form um, that made them targets in the first place. I, I'm never quite sure. Sometimes there's a a series of factors that come into play. But you, uh, you're, you're looking for guys, a core of the team that's there currently, that have been there for a couple of seasons and playing under the same manager for a couple of seasons. You would have to think that these are the the, the tried and trusted guys and the tested guys that Steven Gerrard is building his team around now uh, and what again for whatever reasons uh, uh, I sometimes think that, that Kent hasn't quite maybe made maybe maybe reached the, the, the standards or the consistency that, that people saw when he was a lone player whether the signing, you know, he's, he's thought, well, I've made it now and he's going into cruise control. Uh, again, I'm, I'm not sure. But you're looking for guys to to, to kick on. And who, whether it's a new signing that comes in or whether it's somebody who's already there or the likes of, in, 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 the, in the case of the, the most recent signings, the likes of Hadji, you know, Rangers are spending like you know three million or whatever it was in Hadji. They spent seven million on on Kent. With, with all due respect, seven million might be a fortune in Scottish football and substantial for Rangers. But the actual fact of the matter is that there are clubs, you know, further down. Okay, there's a lot more money in England, but there's, you know that would buy you at best a a, a championship player and. You know, I, I think I think that has to be this sort of realization that in Scottish football, that kind of money is buying you somebody who might be targeted by a Championship club rather than somebody who's going to the Bundesliga or La Liga to play. So maybe maybe what you what seems like a small fortune in your eyes isn't you know isn't that much, and actually what you've ended up with is a seven million pound player, and as I say, seven million pounds is a lot of money. In, in Scotland, it's not really that much elsewhere in Europe. Yeah, I agree. I think I think in terms of you know Scotland, we're, we're certainly um, financially nowhere near uh, some of the some of the clubs even we're coming up against in Europe. Um, Can I just say uh, just just just, just uh, somebody else is coming in my head actually? We were mentioning Boom Song there. Um, Carlos Queller would probably be with somebody who was I think he was signed for about what was it two and a half million and sold for. Well, whatever you, you know, seven, seven and a half million. So that's sort of three times your money. But again, the fact that you've got to think it's hard to come up with something like that shows you what a rarity it actually is. And, and you know, it just sort of reaffirms the point I was trying to make that spending money on guys, if you're, if you're, you, you get two types of return. One, you get it on the pitch, which I think going back to the days of, uh, Queller, I think they certainly got on the pitch, and then the sort of resale value, which was sort of three times their money, um, and I, and I think again going forward, those are the type of purchases that well everybody's trying to strive for, but in particular, I think Rangers, Rangers need Rangers need to be seen to be actually re- recruiting people that are actually worth something tangible at the end of it. No, that's a, that, that's a good shout, Stuart. I Queller, and that was a. An absolute Rolls Royce of a player. There'll be guys, uh, Rangers fans sitting out there listening to this, and they'll be they'll be shouting players at his left, right, and centre that we that we've kind of forgotten about. But I think you're right in what you're saying. Um, we've got to have a sell-on value 
put these guys, that's how the club's going to survive. And um, it's that thing of having to then spend the money pro- properly that you get for these sales. But I think it's this, this is a problem. If Like the fellow, um, the fellow Bassey that we've signed uh, this weekend, the talk of West Ham or Bayer Leverkusen uh, being interested in them, as you're saying, straight away you're thinking, well, if they were interested, they would just take them. You know, they, they, they would, they would, they would absolutely have them. And the problem we've got um, when it comes to these kind of players is the scouting systems through you. They're just, I mean, a forensic now. I don't know how they do it, but they're, they're, they know everybody's on the radar, and nobody shows anything at all. So we're we're basically using Steven Gerrard's name to get decent youngsters. We're using his links with Liverpool, um, and that's that, that's actually. It, it, it makes you worry for the future if, if Gerard hopefully you know takes us on to uh, great success and that he eventually goes to Liverpool himself and we've got to have something in place as you as you were saying Stuart we've got to have something a kind of model in place that's kind of joined up and we know how we're going to go in the future how we're going to how we're going to get the right right type of talent how we're going to bring it on how we're going to sell it on um, staying with staying with you Alec the the sign I had you was obviously a, relatively, I mean, albeit from the discussion we just had, you know, small time money across Europe, but for us, you know, a three million pound outlay, especially in the in the current climate, as I keep as I keep saying. Are you are you concerned that um that perhaps, you know, the amount of players that, that we were going to bring in um, you know, to, to help us uh, you know, rejig the squad slightly. Do you, do you feel that that could be curtailed slightly by by what's going on? Because obviously, income isn't going to be quite as much as um, as it could be for, for all clubs, really. That's a massive concern, David. I think it's just we we, we really don't know what, what's going to happen. Um, in many ways, you know, it's like guys. We're sitting here tonight. We're talking. We're talking about the football. Where we're, you're trying to get yourself back into that that mode of talking about signings and how do you think we're going to play it next season, who's going to go where. Um, but it's just, at the back of the front of your mind is just the fact that football might not happen. You know, it still might not happen. I mean, we're going to kick up, they're going back to training on Thursday, um, which, by the way, is the day Euro 2020 was supposed to be starting. Um, and we're waiting for the following Thursday, there's going to be a kind of second government can kind of review the lockdown easing and we'll find out if uh, they're able to you know if kind of, we're going to kind of go back to normal which I don't think, I just, I just can't see it happening um, I, 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 I don't know I, I just, I, I find it difficult to to kind of project and to kind of, to kind of get into it um, what I would like to happen at Rangers when you just don't know what's happening with society in general um, I think Hadji, Hadji would be the kind of a, a, a perfect, a perfect signing, perfect investment. But if kind of what you're maybe alluding to, if it turns out we, we're, we're taking a massive financial hit somewhere because of the COVID, I mean, like they're, they're talking about, um, you know, players will have to be getting tested twice a week. Um, you try to create a biosecure environment uh, at a football club. Players are going to have to get tested twice a week. If there's one positive case. I think it's going to be a case that the club has to kind of shut down for 14 days. I just find it really difficult to believe that that, that that's not going to be happening on a regular basis. I would I would actually find it more difficult to believe if there was no positive testing. So I don't really know. Uh, I don't really know how football is going to get back on its feet. Um, and it's going to I think it's going to start having a, a real drain on resources. And there's just that there's just that horrible feeling in the back of your mind when you're talking about this stuff just now that we're we're kind of we're kind of living in fantasy land. You've got to, you've, we've got to move forward. We've got to plan for the future. Life's got to go back to normal somehow. But um, I'm just worried that Hadji kind of he kind of uh, exemplifies what's going on. You know, you, you, you want to be excited about the signing, and I think it was a, in, in normal circumstances, three and a half million as a fire sale at Genk, three and a half million for Hadji, absolutely brilliant, okay. a, a no brainer almost. Um, but you're now thinking, have we actually got that kind of money? But on the other, the other extreme, if you start thinking that way, well, we wouldn't sign Andy, you know. So I don't know. It's, it really is all up in the air just now. 
Um, and I'm just I'm just hoping and praying that when we do when we do go back on Thursday, there is a real chance. We start finding out there is a real chance that we're going to have football in August, but I remain to be convinced. Sure, you you've obviously got your your ear close to the ground in terms of clubs in Scotland and and what's going on in, in football. Do you think or have you heard? You know, is there is there a real worry among clubs and among directors at, at clubs? And this isn't even just a, a Rangers thing, but generally about you know the future of the of the game here. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a worry and a concern for everybody. There, there might not be a queue of people saying these things publicly, but there is a concern. I think it just now people don't want to sound too concerned in case it puts the frighteners on others, be it sponsors or season ticket sales or even you know even even general fans who might actually think you know I might be booking a holiday rather than going back to watch watch football, um, or it might be difficult to book a holiday as well. You know, I think speak to to people. There is a a worry because, as as I rightly points out, I, I think it's so fickle just now. The the least you know, the least we change an incremental, uh, you know, change on anything that's happening just now could could throw everything you know into a tailspin again. And you know, as as an old boss used to say. Uh, in such circumstances, you end up tap dancing in eggshells, and 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 you know that's what it's like. You 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 are trying to plan for a future, except you're you're not sure what that future is actually going to look like. You don't know how the future is going to pan out. If you get a clear run at it, then you might you know have half a chance. But given the fact that we are seeing a return to football in England just now, yet in Scotland, there seems to, you know, <clears throat> there seems to be a real issue about when football returns, or, and more importantly, when crowds return. You know, you can you, you can basically have a, a demonstration in Glasgow Green at 48 hours notice and invite as many of your pals along and, and nothing untowards happens. But if you're a football club, who who actually needs to attract people through the, the gates to stay afloat and to survive? That's being frowned upon, and you're told you can't do it. And I, and I, you know, I think there's a number of football fans being, you know, quite aggrieved just now that football seems to be singled out for almost like individual treatment, whereas other people are just doing what they like and. How long that lasts, I'm not quite sure. But the the biggest thing is, I think that we have to, you know, we've got a date, albeit in, in my mind, far from an ideal date. You know, the 1st of August is when we start playing the new league season. That just happens to coincide with the FA Cup final. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I know there'll be a great many people more interested in watching the FA Cup final than the world of Scottish football, football, which will be totally alien to them. But that's where we're at. But I think, you know, that's the date we're aiming for. Let's get started on that date and then see what the consequences are thereafter. Yeah, and obviously, the, I mean, it's been well documented what's what's going on in Scottish football um, during the, the coronavirus pandemic. There's been a lot of... Um, decisions made. Alec, one of the proposals to come to come to light this week was was one from Rangers actually and it was to possibly reconstruct the leagues, um, which has obviously been mentioned. I mean certainly even in my career over the past seven years, the amount of times I've I've even done stories on league reconstructions being incredible. Um but you know this is this is the other said again Rangers proposing a 14 14 team uh, sorry league with um B teams from both old firm sides in the in the bottom tier. Straight away, you know, Peterhead for for a lot of clubs, um, even Ross County saying this this wouldn't work. What are your thoughts on a the the setup um, suggestion and b you know the the Colt teams? Yeah, I, um, it's a it's a it's a funny one. Um, 
I'm actually wondering what what Rangers are up to here, and I'm and I, I this maybe be locked down, kind of playing with playing with my mind, sending me a bit paranoid about cat that a cabin fever or whatever, but um, paranoid in a good way. I, I liked it. I didn't. I mean, the proposal itself, I, I don't really know um, if anybody could be bothered with any more reconstruction. We've all had it up to our, our back teeth, um, as you're saying there, David. Uh, and I, I think obviously the, the Colts thing is a, is a smashing, a smashing idea for Rangers. You know, it's a, it's a good way to develop the players and all that. But um, I, I can't help feeling as if it was a kind of political move. I feel as if we're just trying, to, we're actually trying to look like power brokers. Um, we're trying to kind of get ahead of this. Well, we don't want to get ahead of a car crash, but that's that's what's kind of turned into the, the, the way the the leagues has been awarded by committee. And I think it was a Stephen Clifford, I think said on this pod a couple of weeks ago, or maybe last week, about it being a, a, a marathon, no a sprint, for Rangers to get back to the, the top of the game, the top of Scottish football. And I, it feels it feels to me like we've presented a blueprint just to be seen to be proactive, to be seen to be doing something. And the fact that Celtic are uh, rumoured or, you know, they have actually said they're going to come on board, they, they like the idea as well. It's almost a week in a kind of godfather moment, uh, you know, you keep your friends close, uh, but, you know, keep your enemies closer. I, I don't, I know there's a lot of guys, a lot of the teams, I, I was listening to uh, Radio Scotland yesterday, and uh, you could hear the, uh, like the Elgin uh, chairman, he wasn't, he wasn't happy at all. Um, as you're saying, you know, Forfa and Clyde, I think are unhappy about it as well. Uh, but there's also a good bit of support for it. But I, to be honest, I don't really think, I don't think the actual proposal itself, which seems to have borrowed from another of a proposal on the, the Colt side of it anyway, was drawn up by uh, Chris McCart and I can't remember the other fellow's name uh, a couple of years ago. It seems to have borrowed quite heavily from that, and that it was it was something that was that was liked by a few. It's it's no plagiarism. It's just they're trying to Rangers are trying to push something that a lot of uh, chairmen had actually had actually shown approval for. I feel as if we're we're just trying to we're just trying to show that we can actually kind of beat the top table, so to speak. Um, I'm definitely starting definitely starting to sound like I've got cabin fever here, but I think I think we're trying to look like we're we're negotiators, we're power brokers, we're um, we have to everybody's thrown and budges uh, thrown in her proposal. We've got that, I can't remember the fellow's name there. The, the investor fellow for Hearts who's been uh, uh, giving money to every other club in the league. And we all have our suspicions about um, what Peter Lowell's been doing. And it feels like in an age where the most important trophy in Scottish football has been negotiated to Celtic, we should get in there and try to get ahead of this and start doing some uh, heavy-duty negotiation of our own. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think... It might also be playing to the galleries and there's, there's a there's a kind of uh, a body of opinion out there on Twitter uh, for example uh, amongst a few bears just feeling the club has has kind of dropped the ball by not pursuing legal action against the SPFL against uh, Doncaster for the, for the way things happened uh, it might be we're just trying to deflect from that um, by kind of by kind of moving the conversation but I quite like it I don't I, I don't actually know if it's going to go ahead I'm not really I'm not really particularly bothered the actual proposal itself, but I like the fact they've made that proposal. They kind of—it's like we're, we're starting to shape the game again, and we've realised uh, the way things have gone the past the past few months. That that's that's what you've got to do. You've got to be heavy hitters uh, running about the committee table. Sure. In terms of the Scottish football, you know this is this is obviously brought a lot to light um, over the past few weeks um, and months. What is? Do you think this could be a, a sort of watershed moment for the for the? You know Scottish football in terms of how it markets itself and how it, you know, can be the best that it possibly can be. Any re- reconstruction of Scottish football, honestly, maybe it's an age thing, and you know Alex is talking about cabin fever. Maybe I'm maybe I'm past that stage. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe I've had the fever, and 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 it's just a sign of weakness that I just. Uh, it 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 just leaves me absolutely dead. It leaves me cold. I just, you know, it's like a game of rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. 
you'll be back. If 14 teams in the top flight is suddenly such a good idea now, why was it not such a good idea five years ago? That's that ultimately, that's you know, or if once again, and, and once again, the proposals from Rangers, I can see them, I can see the merit within that, those proposals. Um, what I can also see is the hostility almost immediately that there are clubs saying, Oh, well, we don't like this, and I, and I think if you actually you, you drill down not very far, you probably find out that their hostility and their reticence to actually look at this actually comes from the fact that it's Rangers that's proposed it. And they'll, they'll be wondering, well, look at this, Rangers and, are, are doing a favour to Celtic by bringing in the Colts teams. Um, it works in other countries. I don't see why it's never been accepted or been found to be acceptable in Scotland. Again, other people will have reasons for that. However, what I will say is that we have another proposal that has gone from three leagues of 14 teams to suddenly two leagues of 14 and maybe one of 18 if you bring in, you know, the winners of the the, the North and the, the South sort of qualification tournaments. Once again... Scottish football seems to find its default setting as if you're looking to get a fix, you add teams to the mix. And and with the greatest will in the world, you know, and this, uh, and you know, and I've said it, I've said it often enough in talk sport, and I've said it elsewhere. Scottish football, we are struggling. We are we are absolutely struggling just now with 42 teams without actually increasing it by another four. It's 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 mind-blowingly, you know, crazy in my mind. It's baffling. The, 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 your default setting is to increase the matches. Now, we all know why, because you, you, your starting point is that every team wants to be playing the old firm four times a season. And if they don't get to play in four times, well, we at least get three matches against Rangers and Celtic. Fine, I can see that, but that that doesn't do the product any good whatsoever in my mind. What you end up is you've got you've got the teams that are challenging at the top. You've got a whole bunch of teams that think this fictitious top six as if it's like you know some demarcation line. If you get above that, then you're a fantastic. Team, right. and if you're below that, you're 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 not you're not quite so fantastic. So you end up with a, a, a league where you've got a couple of teams fighting for the top spot, some trying to get into Europe, some just hoping for survival, and then half the league is trying to avoid relegation. That right. doesn't help you bring in any players of any quality whatsoever. The last team to to basically say we're going up and we're going to just play the kids and give them a chance. And if we come back down again, so be it. The last team to actually say that and actually carry it out was probably Hamilton Ackies 10, 10, 10 years ago or 12 years ago. And they did it. And look how they profited from that. They sold two guys to Wigan. The two Jameses went to, to, went to Wigan. One or two other players were sold on as well. And Ackies were financially sorted for a good few years. Why? Because they took that upon themselves. That was going to be their tactics. Now, if 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 you can bring in and introduce youngsters, to my mind, you could I, I don't think Rangers would need or Celtic would need to be approaching bringing in coach teams because ultimately you could then farm out your players to to um other teams on loan and get them playing first team football elsewhere rather than in the lowest league because you, you you're just trying to make up the numbers i, I you know I, I i'm 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 always bemused sometimes baffled at how people you know think that these these are the solutions the biggest solution for me is that we 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 get away from trying to appease people and try to please everybody and you know and saying, well, wouldn't it be a tragedy if uh, if we lost any football clubs? It, no, it wouldn't be. A, it, it would be a tragedy if you supported one of those teams. But ultimately, 
if you're not big enough to survive and you don't survive, that's that's the name of the game. It happens in the high street, it happens in the industry, it happens in other businesses. And for it not to be happening in Scottish football, I mean, I know I know journalists and, and people in other countries, you know, in Denmark and Holland and Norway, and, and, and they'll look at it and honestly openly laugh. They openly laugh at me when you say how many, you know, one one guy that I know um, in Norway, every time I have a conversation with him, the first thing he asks is, how many teams are in Scotland now? <laughs> you know, I've got, I've got to the stage where, I, you know, one, I, I, I just laugh back. And secondly, I couldn't actually tell him sometimes because it's changed so often. Uh, sure, sure. The, the, just to interrupt you, does he also ask you, um, how come every few years you have the team finishing seventh in your top flight has got more points than the team that finished sixth. Every time uh, I look at that, geez, it's I, Sky Sports News and that, you're watching the league I, table coming up this, the side of the screen. We have more dotted lines than any other league in Britain. We've got the, you know, you've got the dotted lines that they put you know, under the first place for that's your Champions League qualifier, then you've got your you know, second, and, second and third, that's your, that's your Europa League teams there. Then we've got the wee relegation playoff dotted lines. You know, your team is either going to get relegated. And then when it gets towards the end of the season, we slap this dotted line across the middle of a 12-team table. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, the thing about that is, Alex, I, I mean, this is maybe getting away from what we, we should be talking about. But the, 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 the gist of it is that there are, there are chairmen and, and fans who see this top six, bottom six, it's it's a, a a fictitious line. It doesn't actually exist. You know, it, it means nothing. All it means is you actually get a chance to play Rangers and Celtic another twice compared to playing Hamilton Ackies or St Mirren or, or, or Motherwell or whoever it might be. So I, I've, I've never bought into this. The guy that actually started this, and this is going back, this will be going back 20 years ago, Gordon Smith, Long before he had anything to do with the, the SFA or, or back, you know, being at Rangers or anything like that, was basically advocating this this cut-off point and then getting into these sort of wee mini, mini leagues. He advocated that 20 years ago. The fact of the matter is that nobody has come up with a better solution, tells you everything you need to know about the great thinkers that are in Scottish football. There are none. So, listen, well, I, 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 I'm... As they used to say, watch this space. We'll see what the teams want, what the clubs want. I don't think it's such a, a bad idea, but 14 teams in the top flight leaves me kind of slightly cold. I think it's time that, you know, when when Rangers ended up in the, the bottom tier of Scottish football, all you ever heard from various chairmen and owners who were quite happy to pontificate at, at you know, Rangers' demise, we have to cut our cloth accordingly, and these are the these are the guys that are scrambling about just now, trying to survive. Why? Because you didn't actually cut your cloth your, your, your cloth accordingly. You 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 left it a year and you went back to norm. And there's some clubs, you know, why why is it Dundee United think they they, they should be spending more than Dunfermline? Because there's nothing to suggest that one that will get any more money than Dunfermline. There's nothing to suggest that they're actually going to be a better team or a bigger club than what Dunfermline are or Falkirk are just now. That's, that was maybe the case 25 years ago or 30 years ago or 35 years ago. Yeah, it was. But since then, things have changed. And just because you've got a certain name or, a, you know, your, your club, you think your club's got a certain status, does not mean to say that you have to go and spend, you know, daft money on certain things if you can't afford it don't spend it but again we're falling into the trap too many as I say directors and owners and the likes have thought well the only way we're going to get it is to spend money and and the very thing that they were you know they pointed the finger especially at Rangers a couple of years ago and went well you've only got yourselves to blame is now the position we find ourselves in trying to bail everybody out because they can't afford to survive on that note you know, discussing the actual finances of it, I suppose. Um, Stuart Robertson was interviewed by by Rangers TV through the week, um, and he just 
discussed a, a range of issues, one of which being the what he describes as the incredible season ticket sales, which have you know helped to to purchase Hadji and um, he says more are on the way. Alec, in terms of you know the fans, that that's it's, it's an incredible show of loyalty to, to you know just put their hands in their pockets yet again and, and sell out season tickets in such an incredible way. Yeah, and um, I, I think it's a sign of uh, the kind of determination that was just redoubled uh, after the events of 2012. As Stuart was talking about, there was a lot of there was a lot of teams that were quite happy to tell us it was all our fault and we just have to deal with it. Um, and we have dealt with we've dealt with it by coming back. Um, it's something I anybody who has read anything that I ever wrote uh, ranting and raving about Rangers, something I was always against um, was a kind of cultification, if you like, uh, of a football club. And you know, you don't have to be Freud to work out why. You know, because uh, of what was happening across the city all the time. I, I liked the idea of. I don't think there's anything wrong. We've just seen football as a passion, but a pastime nonetheless. But um, I must admit, I changed completely. Um, not so much by... I mean, the, the events of 2012, uh, um, devastating in their own right, you know, but it was the reaction of the rest of Scottish football, which I think just caused a, caused a, a, a sea change in the range of support and the, in the mentality. Um, and we... I wouldn't say I wouldn't say we're nothing like a cult. Um, I'll be I'll be careful how I pronounce that. But um, we're definitely there's definitely a doubling of the determination uh, to get back to the top. Um, we're coming back like a you know never mind the, never mind the Phoenix analogies. We're, we're just coming back like a steamroller in terms of, in terms of support at least. Um, and I think the club are actually catching up. You know I think there's a lot of the kind of uh, cart before the horse stuff going at Rangers. Um, you know, Gerard, I think, is as a manager, is 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 ahead of the board. You know, and the kind of state the board's in, and the board is is catching up. Um, and I like a lot of stuff that they're doing just now, but it's taken it's taken a few years, and I think the support um, has been ahead of the manager and ahead of the team by by my, every manager we've had. Uh, they've been absolutely tremendous. Um, and we're talking, sorry, we're talking about cabin fever. Um, I think the thing that's happened the past few months, we've all been locked in. I, I don't know about you guys, but it's when you actually try to do something kind of normal and you kind of forget for a second um, what's what's going on. That's I think that's when it kind of hits you. And it was actually the the Friday. I think the, the Friday was a couple of Fridays ago. Last Friday, maybe the the, the first. I, I pay my, I pay my season ticket quarterly. Eh, the, the four payments. Um, just kind of renews automatically, so that payment come off uh, in the Friday, and I just you kind of noted that, and you just thought that's standard, and it hits you. Oh no, it's no, it's not standard. We don't, we don't know that football is going to be played, and it was the next day I was uh, basically going to do some shopping, and I found myself kind of driving down uh, Crow Road towards uh, the Clyde Tunnel, and I didn't have the radio on. There was no music playing or nothing, uh, but. I, I, I found myself getting a bit emotional. It was actually kind of welling up. And I suddenly realised it was like, I've not been down this road. I, this is the road I usually take to Ibrox. And uh, I've been telling everybody that I don't miss the football because I don't miss the grief. You know, and I'm, I'm, I realised that I was talking out of home arse. Um, I missed Rangers like nothing else in this world. Um, and I suddenly realised this is, this is massive. The fact that everybody's, and I, I think it is going to be everybody, uh, certainly, everybody who can afford it is is renewing their season ticket, and uh, those who can't, there'll be there'll be somebody there to take their place. Um, I, I think it's just it's really moving, and um, I, we were talking about how we can. It's difficult to find things to talk about. Well, we thought it was going to be difficult to find things to talk about when the, the football's not on. Well, even the football's not getting played. The end of support are just are showing, 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 showing their loyalty, and it's a loyalty I don't think Scottish football has ever seen. I think, I think you're right there, Alex. I think, you know, going back six, seven years ago, whatever it was, I think there was a point in time there where Rangers fans in particular felt the world was against them and took it upon themselves to show people that regardless what you, you try and do at your club, you will never beat us or defeat us. 
in terms of the the loyalty that we show to our club. Hence the reason why Rangers have a fantastic, you know, uh, a fantastic support, and the fact that you know this week Stuart Robertson can come out and talk about the the loyalty and the season ticket sales and the likes. Others can only imagine and only dream about what that backing, um, you know, is, is, is like. But again, it's, well, you have to admire that, it's based on proving people wrong rather than the quality of the product on show. Correct. And I think that bit of it is something that's been brought home to me in recent weeks when they've shown they've shown the likes of the the highlights of various games in Scottish football and, and various Rangers games at that as well over the, the last couple of weeks. And it's when you see Rangers playing against Porto when Alex McLeish was the manager and Rangers, you know, beat Porto um three two in the Champions League, or when you see Rangers against PSV or you see Rangers against um, Celtic uh, in the game in 1999 when they, they I think it would be in October or November, when they they, um, they, they beat Celtic 4-2 at, uh, at Ibrox. And you look at the, the quality within that team and the quality within the game in general, and you realise that Scottish football just now is a shadow, it really is a shadow of where we were 20 years ago. And the fact that Rangers are, 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 you know, Rangers are in a very, very fortunate position that the fans are, you know, extremely entrenched in their ways and in their thinking and still supporting the team to the extent that they do because if it was based on what they'd actually achieved in the last couple of years, you would see a, a diminishing of that support and that income. So I... I in terms of what Stuart Robertson's saying, yeah, by all means, praise the fans. But I also think there has to be a realisation within the the boardroom at Ibrox that you cannot just, you know, watch for the fans rocking in and spending their money on season tickets if they are not going to get that level of, you know, a, a certain level of success, be it as a title challengers or winning some trophies. You know, Rangers have they won a trophy for a very, very long time, and at some point, if they, if this continues, blind loyalty will not will not be enough at Ibrox. Fans will start to, you know, demand more. I think there are the demands are there just now, but ultimately they'll demand even more because you cannot charge fans what you charge them for season books and then not deliver on the pitch. Other things that. That Stuart Robertson mentioned in the in the interview through the week, um, one of them was a well certainly the plans for the hundred and fiftieth anniversary. Um, Alec, I'm I'm sure you remember the the plans back in the day for the casino across from. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but these these seem a bit more manageable. These um these plans, uh, two story megastone Edison House, with a concert space uh, upgrade and hospitality sections, which personally I, I think. Has been a long time coming, and um, changing the mega store into a, a sports bar with Bar Seventy Two becoming a, um, a hospitality lounge. That all sounds pretty exciting, doesn't it? It does, I. It does. I'll have to dust down my tucks that I, I've kept for all these years in mothballs uh, after the, the casino plans fell through. I think it's. I think it was lovely um, just to hear us talking about. For me, joining up um, to call it the dots is. Putting together what we've done with the stadium, uh, really get back to 1978, and then getting uh, Auchin Howie, and we got a training facility that was that was worthy of the club. Um, and the idea that we'll now, for me, that the, the big symbol is a museum. Get a museum. I think Colin Armstrong was on uh, a few weeks ago on the pod here, and he was talking about Goodwin to Anfield and just seeing how. The, the shop was just churning out Liverpool strips, you know, every day of the week. You know, just like somebody, you know, there's just queues of people turning up to see the whole kind of, get, get the whole kind of Anfield experience, which has now become a thing because obviously they, they, they well, basically knocked down the, the neighbouring streets. 
we don't have to do that. We just have to do up what we've got. Um, the <laughs> it's a, it was a, a lovely eyesore, you know, uh, the old ticket office. Um, but it, it's beautiful that we're actually joining, we're joining up the whole kind of Rangers experience. And I, Stuart, get back to the previous point, you're absolutely right. We've got to start winning trophies sharpish. But I think to have a place, uh, Robertson was talking about, um, there's a, you know, a kind of function, a massive function suite. You know, or, um, was it the Blue Sky Bar or something he was talking about? Our girl suite was going to get turned into that. Um, it sounds as if it's going to be absolutely lovely. And it, it will keep that kind of, uh, that image, it kind of solidifies the whole image. It starts with Ibrox itself. Um, we know we know we've got world class training facilities that are, that are used by you know visiting international teams and what have you visiting European teams, um, and now we're going to have we're going to have a museum and we're going to have a whole kind of a, basically a shopping centre. Uh, but there's sounds of things where we can we can get the strips out. Hopefully everything goes okay with Castor and we can get the strips out and we can get them sold, and just a really positive place. And it's a, it's something I'm really looking forward to seeing. Looking at English football, English football is awash with money. However, the clubs there are all doing one thing, and that's building bigger stadiums. Why? If you build bigger stadiums, you increase their capacity by 10, 15, 20,000 every home match, and therefore you, you're guaranteed you know, more cash through the, through the gates. Rangers can't really do that. You know, I, I think... You could increase the size of the stadium, but the 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 bill for for doing that and putting more seating in at Ibrox, whilst you might you know there's a waiting list for season tickets, it would be you would have to be guaranteeing yourself one the success and two Champions League football year in year out to to make any kind of plans on that front to increase the capacity of the ground. I think it's reached. It's no saturation point, but I think they've built the stadium as big as it can. Therefore, you've got to seek other means of utilising the space that you've got. And you know, you're right, Alex, um, and 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 David as well. Seeing you, you know, you mentioned that this is almost like the plans that are afoot just now that Stuart Robertson has mentioned are the ones that would have come around a couple of years ago had they managed to get the. the the, the planning permission and all the rest of it for the casinos and the likes. So in some respects they're playing in some respects they're playing catch up with where they, they maybe should have been. But equally I think they're always also looking at it that they are they're obviously a, there's a business model there and and a plan there to improve things off the pitch, which ultimately means more revenues so you can actually help the team on the pitch, and and I think, you know, Stuart Robertson said a great many things over the last you know few months and even the last year and a bit, and you know you'd have to say that one or two Rangers fans were beginning to think it was a bit of a kind of same same sort of broken record scenario. I think this week, having spoke to you know various folk I think this week he's maybe captured the mood maybe it's a mood of desperation that he just wants to see football <laughs> back but I think he's actually captured the mood in as much as that I don't think there's too many people criticising him or castigating him for what he's come out and said I think they see this almost like a, a business model that is possible um, and would ultimately benefit the, the, the club and you know, whilst he's whilst he's get the, the getting the, the sort of brownie points, you know, I think he should he should kick on and get it done because ultimately, if it doesn't work out, the very things that he was promising in the last week will come back and pan him in. <laughs> you know what fans are like. Um, so I, I I think ultimately, if the plans are in place, they should charge on. Yeah. Um, okay. Thank you to, to the guests, Stuart and, and Alec, tonight. Um, and thank you for listening. It's, it's obviously remains, I think it's been said every every week on this, but it remains uncertain times. And we hope that, that all the listeners and all your families are, are keeping safe during this time. You never know, hopefully. Um, we're not too far away from, from football returning. 
Um, and hopefully over the next few weeks as well, we'll, we'll have a few a few different shows uh, on offer for you. Um, but there'll be more on that as the weeks go on. So um, thanks again to the guests. Don't forget to subscribe to the, to the podcast, share it on social media. And until next time, goodbye. Loyalty to Rangers is what binds us. And together we are stronger. Launching for the 2021 season, the MyJers membership programme is a new way to get even closer to the club you love. It's the one place where you can access benefits like ticketing priority, club discounts and exclusive competitions and experiences. There's even a limited edition welcome gift when you join. Visit rangers.co.uk slash to join today. Always Rangers, always loyal, always rewarded.